Eric Uresk. Yo. What's up, dude? Kicking it, man. Just happy to be uh, happy to be here. Yeah. Welcome back to the podcast. This Thank is your you. second episode, and yes. uh, I appreciate you coming down. Uh, you're local here in San Diego, and I see you at the gym all the time yes, getting sir. down, so that's awesome. Uh, so tell everybody, maybe if they haven't heard about you or haven't seen you yet on the podcast, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a former retired MMA fighter. I was uh, a coach for some pretty high-level MMA athletes for quite a while. Retired from that, moved into a personal performance and life coach. And so that's that's what I'm doing now. And just growing that out and, and having a good time expanding that business and working with different people and putting on some live events and all different kinds of exciting things. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been cool. Yeah, really good at what you do. Can you talk about some of the fighters that you've coached? Yeah, sure. So I've uh, I've worked with Dominic Cruz. I've worked with uh, Phil Davis. I've worked with Alex Gustafson uh, way back in the past. Uh, Terry Brazier. I've had uh, man, I've had I've had a, a good list of people from from all over the planet. Uh, Jeremy Stevens was uh, was an athlete of mine. So Miles Jury, a lot, lot of UFC vets, Bellator guys. Yeah. Uh, one championship was a, an event that we uh, biggest event in Asia had had a, a women's world champion in nice. uh, one championships. That's awesome. Yeah. And you train with, I mean, Dean Lister, with yeah. Jocko, all these Dean guys. Dean Lister, Jocko. Yeah, I've gotten to train with the who's who. I mean, even uh, early in my career, I was uh, one of Randy Couture's fighters at his gym and got Damn. to train with everybody there. Uh, Vanderlei Silva, Vitor Belfort, Forrest Griffin, like yeah. like everybody. It That's was, awesome. It was a cool time. That's yeah. cool. How much of that do you think has contributed to where you are now? I think a tremendous amount. Yeah. I think being around that caliber of athlete and understanding the demand that it takes to show up, do this thing every day. And then that's not even good enough to get to the top. Like there's gotta be more. Yeah. Right. So the barrier for entry, and, and this is something that I took on as a coach, the barrier for entry to be an MMA fighter is that you show up twice a day. If you're going to be a professional fighter, yeah, your two training sessions a day are the bare minimum. Right. Now that's incredibly difficult to do for like the average person. If I, asked you to get up and come to two of these like high level training sessions a day, they probably wouldn't make it past the first session, let alone two, let alone do that for, you know, five, six days a week. Yeah. Right. So it's incredibly hard to show up twice a day and do that. Yeah. And it's still not enough. Right. Is that on top of weightlifting and, you know, it's not even, things? it's not even that it's just, it's all the other things. So yeah. So we'll say like the strength training would be considered maybe one of your training sessions, but it's the the sleep that you're getting. It's the yeah. company that you're keeping so that you can maintain a focus, right? right? And I think that's the thing. It's the ability to maintain <clears throat> a focus. Sometimes you go do these training sessions and then you're checked out the rest of the time focused on girls, which is a big problem for me when I was fighting. Like I was yeah. like, when I wasn't training, I was focused on a lot of other things, right? Right. right. And then I saw how that, that was like, that was really hurting me. And I, I would see that all over the place. Like anything that drives focus away from the objective of being the best yeah and the guys that i saw that were the best had the ability to maintain their focus even outside the gym right well you have to be obsessed with it right with anything i feel like you're going to do great with you i feel like have to be obsessed and have to be all in on that one thing especially if you want to be the best you can't be doing anything else yeah yeah and it's it's and it's really subtle and it's really sneaky because there's so many people that if you looked at the way that they devoted their life to training, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy is obsessed. But there's levels to that obsession. Like yeah. Dominic Cruz was one of my training partners 
and uh, and I ended up coaching him towards the end of my coaching career, and his level of obsession, particularly during like his title run years, mm-hmm. was something that you never seen before. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Like what? what? What did that look like? It would look like, let's say, there's a training session going on, and Dom maybe got caught with something during the training session. First of all, Dom is not afraid to get caught with things in training. He would be, he was obsessed about going towards his uh, vulnerabilities as opposed to running away Meaning from getting his caught with like a punt or a kick. Caught or a punt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not caught with like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know some people are yeah, like, for sure. He would not be afraid to lose in practice. Okay. Okay. If something did give him trouble in practice, he would keep the person that gave him trouble at practice maybe for an hour after the practice is over to go over the thing to make sure it never happened again, right? If you, yeah. if you ever saw how he got guillotined by Uriah Faber in his first uh, title fight for WEC, that never happened again, Yeah, right? Dom became impossible to guillotine <clears throat> after that because that happened to him. Uh, it would be things like if we were doing some sort of endurance challenge. I remember one time we were having a plank challenge as part of the the, uh, the physical conditioning that we did with our, our strength and conditioning coach. Me and Dom are the last two guys there. And we're like at seven, eight minutes holding a plank. And I just know Dom and Dom's cheating and doing all kinds of, you know, he's not holding a strict plank, but he will not let me win. Yeah. And I recognize that. And I was like, and this could have been some mental weakness on my part. I'm like, I'm just going to give it to him. Right. Because I know he's so fucking crazy. Yeah. There was no way he was letting me get out of there beating him in a challenge like that. So when you see how a guy who's at the top of the top, like Dominic Cruz, how they go through their training regimen and how they treat the gym, what do you see in compared to like business or other forms of life? Like does that tra- that kind of mentality and work ethic translate to other things? Or is it specific to fighting? Well, I think it does. It does in a way. If you have a supreme focus on anything, right? So focus would be your energy and and your attention. Yeah. Okay. And you put those two, two things together towards a common goal and you are persistent and consistent towards that thing. You're going to have success. Right. Some, some degree of success, mm-hmm. right? Talent comes in. If you have talent on top of that, you might be even more successful, right? Some people have freakish talent and they're these outliers that nobody knows how they, they, yeah. they got where they are. Right. But what does happen with that, and this is why I have a job, is that focus leads to breakdowns in a lot of other areas of life. Yeah. Right? And at some point in time, when people get tired of these breakdowns happening, usually not to like they're mid thirties to forties. Yeah. Uh, then they have to start taking a look at other things. Right. Why am I unhappy that I've had this singular drive and focus towards this one thing and I'm, you know, my relationships are trash or I feel lonely all the time or I don't know if I have real friends or, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard all these stories before. Of course. Right. So yes, you can be absolutely that singular focus, your energy and intention driving towards something yeah it's going to help you be great at anything got it um, but it may not it may not be always the best thing for a well-rounded life and there's seasons to all this stuff too which right. is the other part yeah 
Yeah, well, we talked about like how in earlier in your career when you were fighting, you know, that was your life. And maybe you chased the girls and you did those kind of other things. But now you had mentioned that, look, you know when to call it, like when to slow down during the day so that you can show up in other portions of your life. So in terms of like time discipline and things like that, what do you do? How do you make sure that you're showing up everywhere you need to in the right amount? Okay, so that's that's a great question. So that stuff in my experience, doesn't happen by accident. It happens by intention. Okay. Okay. So with my intention, it's really important for me to decide, looking at my day, what's important. Okay. So that sometimes starts the night before. How do, looking at my day the next day, what energy do I need to step the next day into? Is there anything unresolved from today that I don't want to bring into tomorrow? Right. So that I can be clear moving into my day with all my faculties with me. Yeah. Now I don't always do that perfect. Sometimes there's stress that comes with me into the next day and it, it invades my morning and it can sidebar me from hitting my meditation, my journaling practice, the things that I use to get grounded before I go out into my day. Right. That being said, when I'm, you know, provided I'm, 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 I'm on the ball with this stuff, I'm looking at my day, what needs to be handled? How do I want to be during that thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who do I want to be during that thing? Do I want to be motivated? Do I want to be uplifted? Do I want to be tired? Do I want to be looking at my watch saying, I can't wait till this is over? Yeah. Okay. So decide who I want to be. <clears throat> what is it going to take for me to be that? And then I get to prioritize my energy. So if I have, let's say, okay, the only time I have today to train is this morning. So I can hit the 10 a.m training this morning and then I'm going to have clients from let's say one to four or one to five. So that'll be a couple of back to back calls. If I kill myself, if I go do nothing but spar hard rounds yep. during training, I'm going to be pretty fucked right. by the time my calls roll around. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be more in a recovery state than a, than a, than a state of giving energy to people. Right. So I have to decide what does this training session look like that is going to take care of my need to take care of my body and also be able to show up for my clients. Right. What kind of nutrition am I going to need? Will I need a quick rest before that? Right. Do I want to drink too much coffee too early in the day where I'm skidded out and my energy levels are going to crash later on? Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So these are all things that I, I need to put into. And, and again, it's not because I'm practiced at it, it's not this long drawn out math problem now. Yeah. It's quick math in my head at this point because right. I'm practiced at it. But you built the muscle. So, yeah. so your morning routine, is, it sounds like that's the foundation of all of this. So for somebody who maybe doesn't have a great morning routine, if you're coaching somebody or you're talking to somebody who is maybe in their early 20s and they're trying to get their shit together, how do you put together a good morning routine to set yourself up for that day? Yeah, so I love, man, I feel like, I think morning routine for me is important. I think a lot of content creators are like ODing on like their, I've seen like some psychotic morning routines yeah. where, where like, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, I'm, that, that's, I don't want that. Um, you know, and Alex Hermosi is funny. He says like, you can be a millionaire and, I, and he's right. Like yeah. if your focus is on money, I mean, you don't necessarily need a morning routine. Why a morning routine is important for me, my presence yep. to like, and the energy that I'm going to show up with each day is really important to me. Right. I don't think that happens accidentally. Yeah. So I think it's important for me to be intentional about getting grounded first before I just jump into the <laughs> momentum of the day. Right. Right. If let's say I get up and I'm, I'm stressed or I'm worried about 
something, right? Yeah. A, a relationship dynamic, a business problem. And I just start my day caught up in the momentum of stress. Now I'm reacting to that stress, whether I'm conscious of it or not, in all my behaviors. Maybe I'm checked out on my phone where yeah. I could be getting something productive done instead or, or having you know, quality time with my wife in the morning before I have a bunch of work to do and we may not see each other till later on. Right. Right. So grounding to first myself and to what's important before I go out, go out into the day. It's like, you know, if you've got like a big deal going on, right, a big business deal, yeah, you're probably going to have a few meetings before the deal to get centered on like a plan of attack, if you will. Right. Okay. And then you may even have a debrief after to see what worked and what didn't work. Yep. Right. Most successful business happens in such a way. It's not, it's not uh, accidental or, or just, well, we just stumbled into this deal. Right. Uh, often there's some, some thought that has to go into it first. How do, what do I want to get out of this? How do I want to show up to this thing? Do I want to project strength? Do I want to project weakness? Right. Um, it's, it's really important. That's uh you know, I think I struggle with my morning routine sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm so, and I used to not be so good about this. Like before I met my girlfriend, not that she, she brought a lot of amazing grounding to my life, but when I was, I didn't have much else going on other than business and, and that was it. So I would journal every night. I would wake up. I wouldn't touch my phone for the first hour when I wake up and the same thing going to bed last hour, no phone, no light from a TV, nothing like that. Right. And I showed up a lot more than I did when I had other things going on because my routine changed. So, yeah, I got to get my routine down a little more and make sure that I'm uh, preparing for the day because that's been a weakness of mine. And, um, you know, part of it is just just showing up. Right. Because showing up is is like half of it for me. For sure. You know, um, but how you show up, I think, is is super important. So when you're working with so you work pretty closely with guys like Jocko Willink. With Jocko's military background, being a SEAL and being a SEAL commander, so he's, you know, a, a, a good leader, what do you see from, like, his military side of things that lead in the gym? Is it similar to that obsession or that discipline, meaning? Mm. So, well, his consistency is one, right? So, I mean, I know for a fact, I, I've trained the SEALs and combatives before, yep. and uh, a lot of their training is just consistency. Like doing these boring, they, like the, the the way they tactically clear a room, they have to practice all the little things uh, to almost to a point that seems redundant. Like right. It's like why are we doing it? But yeah. they they recognize that 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 frequency is really important to them. And so Jocko's life is about consistency, and that consistency is rooted in discipline. Like it. it's really hard to have consistency without discipline. Right. Show up every day. Consistency has nothing to do with whether you feel good or don't feel good. Yeah. Right. Neither does discipline. Yeah. So you show up and do the thing and that that what that is. And that's a that goes past the military. I mean, I know military. I know guys that were SEALs that are not disciplined at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, it goes to when you're on a path of mastery. Right. You're committed to showing up regardless. You're committed to the path of mastery, knowing that you'll never get there. Mm. Damn. Right. Okay. And, and it's like that's that's what jujitsu is for me to this day. Right. Yeah. So I'm. I'm 42 years old. My highly competitive days are over. Uh, at least that's what I'm choosing to have it that way, right? I don't yeah. feel the need to, but I'm still obsessed with jujitsu. Yeah. Still obsessed. I, I study film and tape all day long. I really don't make any money off martial arts. I mean, I teach a couple of classes for fun. Yeah. Um, 
you know, a week. I teach like four classes a week at Victory. Yep. It's fulfilling to me in, in a way that a lot of other things are not. And so I continue to do it, but it's not, it's not profit driven. And the amount of time that I spend on furthering my knowledge about jujitsu is not necessarily profit driven other than I just really enjoy the pursuit of, 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 of mastery. Right. Yeah. So now, okay. So you, you mentioned that discipline is the big thing for Jocko. Now, when you look at somebody who is obsessed and this is like their lifeblood, like, uh, you know, any UFC fighter that's crazy and obsessed like that, like Dom, do you think that Dom shows up or people like him show up because they want to, where there's a difference? You get what I'm saying? Like, like, do you think it's that I'm trying to figure out how to word this. The want best to way. versus have to. Yeah. Like, well, discipline, you're, you're, you're choosing a goal and you're showing up because you're going to hit that goal. You may not feel like it, but sometimes when you're super motivated and this is your real passion, like your life meaning almost, you show up because you want to. Like that's the thing that drives you. you know Absolutely. What I mean? Yo, well, there's both, right? So no <laughs> like matter a crackhead what. crackhead doesn't have to be disciplined to smoke crack. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely. No, no, for sure. So yeah, it's – I think it's, it's – it's actually an interesting way that you're framing it. I think – at a certain point, there's days where no matter what, no matter how motivated you are, there's days you're not going to want to show up. Right. Body's beat up. You're fucked up from training all week. Yep. I got to go back to the gym. Yeah. Right. They show up anyway. They don't want to. They show up. Um, and yeah, because motivation is going to wane. It's it's like it's never a constant. It's yeah. not a constant. Obsession can be a constant. And I think the, the difference is uh, people show up to things more regularly that are tied to their identity. Mm. Like if your identity is tied to this thing that I do every day, yeah. you show up to it because it's a part of who you are, yes. right? So for me, it's not it's not even a question, am I gonna do something to take care of my body today, right? Which is usually training of some sort, right? Yeah. It's not a question because it's a part of who I am. It's a part of who I tell myself. It's part of my story and my script about who I am, yeah. right? That's different for everybody. Um, that's why, like, uh, if you ever read like a book, like atomic habits, they talk about that. Like yep. making something part of your identity is the, is the most surefire way to make it become a habit. Well, you know, the, this leads me to something and you just gave me an aha moment because when people want to quit smoking, they want to become somebody who doesn't smoke, but they don't think that they are not a smoker. Mm -hmm. Right. So let me just say that again, cause I know it may have confused people. If you're a smoker and you choose to quit smoking, you have to believe that you are no longer a smoker. And the problem is, and for me, when I smoked cigarettes when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old, I tried to quit smoking, but it wasn't until I realized I'm no longer a smoker. Mm. So what you said about tying these to your identity, I think is so important because when I got sober, and I know you have a similar story, when I got sober, I was no longer a person that drank. Mm. There was no, like, and people ask me, oh, is it, isn't it hard? Isn't it? Not for me because I am not a person who drinks and I genuinely changed who I believe I am on a foundational level. And I think that, that if you can tap into that, your life changes. So absolutely in your coaching, cause you do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, how, if somebody's trying to tackle a problem, how do you get them to make that identification in themselves and change that? Oh, that that's a, that's a good question. So somebody comes to me with this is where I'm at, this is where I want to be. Okay, so it's kind of what we said in the beginning. There's, there's where I am, there's where I want to be, 
and there's the the space that's in between that right mm -hmm. which I, I call the gap right the gap between me and who i want to become or what i want so it's a lot of times they're thinking about what i want but what i'm thinking is who do you have to become to be the guy that has that got it okay so we start taking a look at who you're currently being uh are you a guy that is shows up late to things mm. regularly yeah. right are you a guy that doesn't keep to his commitments yep okay well if you want to become this we have to start working on the things like we have to like one by one start changing these things or shifting these things and moving into the guy the guy that shows up regularly the guy that has consistency that's the guy that gets results in the gym right okay so if i was a personal trainer we would work on those things the consistency the the um the importance that you place on this one particular goal right, right? the person that has mm -hmm. it in their head as you said that i'm the i'm the fat person well it's not just they're the fat person they've got a lot of other habits that yeah. that that came along that created the, the excess body fat that they right. have on their body right right and then so sometimes it's just a simple thing of fixing behaviors mm -hmm. right so these behaviors are not going to get you where you want to go when the behavior is showing some stubbornness and it's like they're trying to and they keep self-sabotaging, right? So self-sabotage has more to do with uh, the deep subconscious limiting belief systems than laziness, yes, right? Right. Laziness to me is actually like a symptom of some deeper stuff. Yep. More often than not, people that are lazy, uh, they don't have a sense of importance to, to the thing or they have a lot of limiting belief systems of why they can't do the thing in the first place. Right. And so it's easier to just be lazy, which is like kind of like a, a, a way of avoidance. Yes. Um, than to actually move after the thing itself. Right. Uh, so would you say that laziness is self-sabotage? Yeah, a lot of times I think so. I'd say laziness is definitely a form of self-sabotage. It, it can be a symptom of not having clarity in what you actually want in your life. Right. It can be knowing what you want and not thinking that you can do it or having a bunch of reasons of why you can't do it. And it right. seems so overwhelming. Why get started? Yeah. Right. Um, and it's a momentum thing, right? Laziness is often a momentum thing. It's, you know, the concept of inertia, right? So a body in motion stays in motion, right? A body in stillness stays in stillness. Once yep. getting the thing moving can, you have to go through that initial pain period. Right. A lot of people are not willing to go through the initial pain period. If I'm going to go from non-motion, right, stillness into yeah. motion to create momentum, there is going to be a painful process of, of getting that ball moving, right, getting that dead weight moving. Yeah. Once the dead weight tips over to the other side and starts to create motion for itself and now the ball is moving with a lot less effort needed on my part, yeah. that's when it becomes a little bit more enjoyable. So do you think that the reason why people don't start a lot of the times to get that difficult part without seeing results is it instant gratification? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, yeah, I think unfortunately, I mean, I think social media is great. I think technology is great. And also it's created just a world where we have everything at our mm -hmm. fingers and it's too much choice. <clears throat> it's like, it's a couple things. There's too much choice. Yeah. So with too much choice, it's hard to be clear on what I want. Yeah. Okay. And so I spend more time doing this than going, you know, where if my choice is now, like I want that and I'm going to move that way. Yeah. Right. Really simple. And also instant gratification. Like I, there's so many ways I can feel good right now. I can get all the, the, the dopamine I want that would normally, I would have to do something to do yeah. by watching other people do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Crazy. On my phone. And so 
once that dopamine is dried up, <clears throat> well, so is my drive to, to do things. Right. right. And so, man, a lot of us uh, waste a lot of dopamine uh, on, a, on a daily basis and yeah. it, it destroys productivity. Yeah. I mean, we live in a society where everything is right here on the phone. You know, I mean, you want, uh, you know, it, and you don't realize it until you're somewhere where Uber doesn't work. You know, sure. like you want to go somewhere from point A to point B. Like I was yeah. in New York during a storm. Right. And there was price surge and not a lot of drivers out. And I needed to go somewhere right away. And I realized, holy shit, like we have all of this stuff that we don't realize is right here, whether it's travel, right. whether it's porn, whether it's food, DoorDash. You don't yeah. even have to leave your house and you're going to have a cheeseburger show up. You know, I mean, I just think of of. um how much of our lives are are made better because of this because when you need something it's there but how much of our how much are we robbing ourselves well dude i'll put it to you like this so you and i were talking about uh perennial pastures <clears throat> before like you were like asking me about where i get my meat right yeah and so perennial pastures is this great regenerative uh farming uh location uh so they 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 farm all their stuff as close to as natural as possible. So yep. it's completely grass-fed meat. The, the, the animals live a great life. And then so the product that you're getting is really great. I go get my meat from those guys at the farmer's market, mm. right? So I'm having a direct interaction with the person responsible for me getting my food or the soap that I may get there or yeah. some of the produce or the flowers that my wife likes to buy at the farmer's market. It is such a different experience mm -hmm. buying directly from the person that made the thing. Yeah. Um, there's a relationship and there's a eye to eye transaction. Thank yeah. you for this value. Here's showing me giving you my money. Yeah. Showing that I value you. And I go home and I'm like, man, I feel really connected to my food versus yeah. when I go to Sprouts, which I love Sprouts. It's it's great. Yeah. But I don't. It's like I'm just. It's just this. There's no personality to it. Right. Yeah, I'm friendly with the cashier because I see them often enough, but but yeah. that's it. It's way different than having that interaction. So I think all this uh, convenience yeah. is actually a killer and it, it kills the human connection. Mm. I think that shit is so important. It's it's really one of the foundations of, of, my, of my coaching, uh, which may sound weird. It's like my mentor used to say this all the time. The quality of my life is based off the quality of my relationships. Yes. Okay. I have an opportunity to create relationships all day long. Now, if I'm secluded in this phone having, and there's nothing like human contact, yep. nothing like human contact and like face to face being with somebody in, in that, because there's an energy exchange that happens. Right. That doesn't happen by a text. Yeah. Right. It's why I like in-person podcasts. Dude, yeah. The Zoom ones. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the same to me. Yeah. Um, there's a real value to that. Right. And I think if we start cutting <clears throat> out the amount of human connection that we need yep. uh, or that we, we have available to us, I think it's really, really dangerous. Well, COVID showed us how terrible lack of human connection is. Yeah. I mean, I am a firm believer that the lockdowns caused way more For sure. stress and suicide and depression and all of that stuff by cutting out relationships. And there's a study called, I think it was called the Harvard study. And it was Harvard University. It's one of the longest running studies it was over a hundred years. They followed people from birth to death and they would see, you know, what is it that, you know, cause they noticed that, well, there's some people who eat healthy, do everything right, live a great life, no poverty, no, you know, whatever. Right. And, and they die of a heart attack at 50 years old. And then there's people who are alcoholics who grew up in the projects in South Boston or East Boston and lived their whole life super rough. But for some reason they made it to 95 years right. old and they were happy. And they figured out that it was long-term human connection, like long-term friendships. Yeah. 
And, um, I mean, I, I just get a little like almost tingly just thinking yeah. about that. Cause when I think about the things that make me feel so like wholesome, it's, it's my long-term friendships and, and business partnerships and whatever it is, you know? So do you see that as common? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's that you just said it. You, I mean, literally you just said it, right? So the ability to be in relation with people like loneliness does so many things. It kills me when they, they'll say died of natural causes was seemingly healthy. Like why? Yeah. Because he had low body fat percentage. Yeah. Like, right. Not having a low body fat percentage is not the end all be all marker for health. And like no other man, loneliness is, is a, is if you're lonely yeah. for a sustained period of time, you are not healthy. Yeah. Right. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Yeah. If you are lonely for a sustained period of time or experience regular loneliness, yep. you are not healthy. Right. That is much different than chosen solitude. Yes. A, per a man that can choose to move into solitude is not lonely. He actually has the ability to be with himself in a way that in relationship with himself. That's way different than isolation. Dude, you just said something that, again, made made something click for me because when I said before my girlfriend, you know, I was completely alone. But I was the most happy I'd ever been, which led me to meeting the girl of my dreams. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I and it's funny that you say that because I've always thought about that. I was always alone. Like I had friends. I did stuff. But for the most part, I was either sleeping or I was here in the office working. But there was something about choosing to be there and choosing to work on myself, like journaling and just my routine and stuff. Um, yeah. So so. Uh, can you just say that quote again? A man that chooses. Well, so I didn't solitude? have a quote there. I just yeah, said what well, I said. Yeah, well, it is right. a quote of yours now. We're <laughs> Maybe it'll be a quote now. Yeah. So a man that chooses solitude is much different than a man who just feels lo loneliness is happening against your will. You, yeah. When you're lonely, you want connection. Right. Right. That's why it's it's loneliness. There's a resistance to the being alone. Right. Or 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 feeling alone. Uh, connection would be the opposite to that. I can be in connection and be by myself. That would yeah. be solitude, mm -hmm. right? And that's a, that's a choice. Um, yeah, I, I recommend all men take time for solitude, yeah. which is far different than I'm getting away from people, Yeah. <laughs> right? That, that whole mentality, um, it's always a red flag for me. There's okay. people, if you choose solitude, yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. I think every man needs solitude. I think it's important that Daily, if you can take an hour to yourself, I think yeah. all the better. But weekly, I think each man needs to meet himself with a couple of hours of solitude. Like, make the time for that shit. Right, right. You know what's funny is sometimes when I'm feeling like I'm in a rut, I'll literally, and this is changing because I got a baby coming and life's going to change, but I will literally tell my girlfriend, hey, I need to take like two or three days. I get on a plane. I go to New York City, which people are like, you go to New York City to relax? <laughs> yeah, because it's so chaotic. Mm. But go to New York get off, go stay in Manhattan or Brooklyn or wherever I'm going to stay. And then I just go walk around and eat pizza and just do stuff by yeah. myself. But it's like, I'm surrounded by people, but I'm by myself. I'm in my own. I get zone. it, dude. I love solo travel. Yeah. 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 When I, when I lived in Phuket, uh, I would often have to leave for visa runs. So uh -huh. every three months I'd have to go leave the country and come back for my visa. Yep. And, oh man, I used to love, I used to spend a lot of time in Kuala Lumpur, which is in Malaysia and uh, places like uh, Siem Reap in Cambodia. And it would just be, I would really, really look forward to it. Um, or like if I would have to go fly to another country for, for a fight, then you know I'd like to take the afternoons to myself. Like my real joy is just going someplace that has really <clears throat> nice coffee, getting myself a really nice cup of coffee, a pen and a pad and, or a book, and I don't need anything else. Like nice. I, that's the happiest that, that I can yeah. be.
That's cool. Yeah, it's funny because we we seem to chase all of these things like cars and money and stuff. And, you know, oftentimes when people arrive to this place where they think they should arrive, they realize all the shit that I like to do is not to do with money or Ferraris or houses or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So going back to the loneliness part, you know, you, you kind of split the difference between somebody choosing loneliness versus it being pushed on them. Now, do you think that comes down to like our tribalism, like where humans came from? Because back in the day, if you got ostracized from your community, you're fucked. Like you get pushed out, yeah. you're screwed. You're going to go die in the woods most sure. likely. Right. Do you think that that is why loneliness kills people like down to like a primal instinct? I think that's definitely a part of it. I think we are social creatures. So whatever biological uh, uh, settings or, or hormonal settings are put in place that, that have that be the case of why we require connection. Yeah. We require connection. Right. Right. For sure. There's like I could pretty much feel like that's a fact. I don't feel like it's an opinion. We yeah. require connection. Right. Um, for many different reasons, right? Uh, yeah, one could be, yeah, very much that. We, we get pushed out to the side and, and mm -hmm. would, would very much die on our own. But also, there's uh, there's other things that happen. You know, there's the the joy of doing something together is is, is really like like of partnership, of, of team, of going through hard things together. Right. It's not just like, if you think about it, Think about some of the harder times in your life that you have shared with other people, um, hard experiences that you've shared with other people. And then think about when you come out on the other side, it probably might have even sucked while you were going through it. Right. You and the people that went through that will fondly look back at those times as some of the best times of your life often. Yeah, right. Right. That shared struggle is what it like creates a, a bond with people. It's a feeling like I went through this with people. I mean, right. it happens with war veterans all the time. It happens yeah. with uh, teammates, people that train jujitsu together. Um, you know, all different types of people. A lot of people that I've gone through, like some of the, like the the, the tougher uh, emotional work that I've done in, in groups. Yeah, me and those people that went through that together, we're a fucking like family. You yeah. know what I mean? Like super super tight because we went through this hard thing together. I think there's something that happens. Uh, you know, it could be. Um, it could be some hormonal thing that happens, yeah. you know, uh, from going through that. But it's it's definitely an experience that I've had. Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't matter why it works if it works. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't I don't I don't I think it's I mean, it's interesting to figure out why that is. But it's less important to me why that is than how that is. Right. right? And because the how is really w what I want to take a look at, because the how is how. I can guide somebody or, or even myself to, right. to, to correcting something that's not working. Yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about, cause I'm a big proponent of getting people into jujitsu. Like, and yeah. I know there's a lot of people that are thinking about getting into jujitsu. I try to get, I mean, Carlos can attest. I try everybody that comes in here. I'm like, Hey, you should, you should try a class. Like, I don't know. I just hope somebody For gets sure. into it, but if somebody's thinking about jujitsu, what should I, they expect? How do they pick a gym? Um, what okay. tips do you have for somebody thinking about jujitsu? Okay. So, yeah. I mean, when you're going into a a gym, do they pay attention to the white belts? Right? Uh, do they have a beginner's program? Right? If they If you go to a class and you're a beginner and you're just kind of left to the side, I mean, you can get better at that if you're just a naturally good athlete. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, the eventually over time you're going to get better, but yeah, you want to go to a place where, uh, uh, there's some priority placed on you. Yeah. 
uh, at least on your growth and your development. I think that's important, and not not all gyms do that. We ha we have a beginners program now, yep. uh, just to to really because beginners require different things than people that are a little bit farther along in their journey. And I, it's intimidating for, it's, yeah, for well, dude, too. it's like, yeah, for me, my journey was different. I came from like a heavy wrestling background. Yeah. Starting jujitsu was not hard for me. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it was, it's just like walked in and was beating people up from wrestling. And yeah. it was like, yeah. So it's not, it's different than somebody that didn't have that and is, is getting beat up and they don't right. have, and I also had a relationship with violence. So it was yeah. fine for me. If you're starting a martial art, you don't have a relationship with violence and you're going into this thing. I can very much understand how that would be scary. Right. Right. Uh, so understand that you're taking this thing on for the reasons that you're taking it on, whether you want to learn how to defend yourself, you want to be more physically confident. I think, man, and I think that's like, it's kind of not answering your question, but I think it's an important point. I actually did a poll recently asking women how how much do you consider do you want to feel safe with your man in the midst of danger do you want your your the man that you're with is it important to you that he can create calm in the face of danger that he has a relationship with either violence or danger right, right. doesn't mean you have to like violence yeah right doesn't mean that you even have to like danger but you have a relationship with it enough that you can be a source of safety yeah when in the face of danger 100 mm -hmm. percent of the women said that that was important to them right now when i walk around san diego i see evidence to the opposite because mm. there's a, a lot of very uh passive uh, fragile men particularly where i live in north park yeah um, <laughs> and uh, and i think like man it's a thing in california like l largely speaking yeah um and not that jujitsu is a fix-all for that right right but it will confront you with doing something hard regularly. It yeah. will confront you with failure regularly. And it's really important to do something hard and to fail at things regularly. Right. Because it builds up my, my, uh, my ability to per persist. Right. And that's so important. If I, like, I think it's the reason why divorce rates are so high. People don't persist through difficult things. Now, of course, if there's physical abuse present or something like that, yeah, get out of the relationship. That shit's done, right? right. But if it's just neither of us know how to communicate and w the persistence would be we need to learn how to communicate our difficult emotions as we move through this process so that we can strengthen our relationship. Right. Dude, that's going to be necessary in a romantic relationship. That's going to be necessary in a business relationship. Yep. When you get into a partnership with somebody and like, yeah, it makes business sense. Then you guys got to learn how to how to coexist and get along and make yeah. this partnership work. Right. Right. So that you don't leave fucking mortal enemies or one trying to fuck the other over. Right. So jujitsu to me <clears throat> is just a, a way to get familiar with persistence. Mm. I don't care. Is it the only way? No, absolutely not. Right. There's a bunch of different ways. You want it to be hard. Yeah. You want it to be something that sometimes you don't want to push through it, but you do anyway. Yep. Sometimes you even don't push through it. And then you got to go home and reflect. Why didn't I push through that? Yeah. That didn't feel good. Tomorrow I want to come back and push through where I failed or I stopped today. Right. Right. Um, and I don't think there's enough of that in people's lives. I think people are sheltered from it. I think I definitely see people shelter their kids from that. Yeah. I know a few good parents that, that, that really walk their, their children through it, through adversity in a way that I think is really healthy, but shielding anybody from adversity for long periods of time is actually hurting them. You are yeah. making them weaker. You're making right. them fragile. There is nothing noble about being fragile. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Fragile means I cannot handle 
difficulty or hard things. Now, I don't wish hard things upon you just for the sake of wishing hard things upon you. Yeah. Right? But I think it's a pretty general fact of life that there are going to be times that are hard and the ability to persist through that is important. The alternative, I can't handle this. So I'm going to blame the thing that's hard for being hard and want somebody to come fix it to me for me because it's not fair. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you you literally breed a victim mentality when you shield people from from difficulty. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that this whole thing is, you know, it started with participation trophies. Yeah. Right? Like I think that's the like I my first jujitsu tournament, I got smoked. I still, because the bracket was so small, ended up getting a trophy. And I, I literally threw it in the trash Good. at yeah. the, yeah. And, and I remember somebody like my girlfriend was like, no, take it. Like, absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. Why, why do I deserve a trophy for getting smoked? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that doesn't, I shouldn't get some kind of dopamine hit just for the hell of it. Just cause I showed up, mm-hmm. which look, showing up is important, I think, but the feeling that I got in my next tournament when I did much better and my next tournament when I fucking did way better that is like something that's earned that nobody can give you, you know? So I, I have a daughter on the way and I think constantly like when she comes, like how am I going to be that caring person, but still give her challenges. And when I have a son, give him challenges Absolutely. to overcome. Right. Yeah. Like, this is one of my favorite subjects like in the world. Yeah. Because I, I had the opposite. I had every mistake that I made was catastrophized. Mm. You're wrong. You're bad. Right. Much worse language than that. Yeah. Okay. So I was terrified to make mistakes. Right. Terrified to take a risk, to take a chance. Right. If I didn't know I was going to, and it was coupled with a natural talent for, I can be good at a lot of things. Yeah. So it was easy for me to kind of, oh, I can just be naturally good at this thing and I'll just do this instead of this. Then when it came time where even the thing that I was good at, somebody was better. Yeah. I would fucking break because I didn't know how to like have the healthy competition because I looked at that as just another opportunity to fail. And then that was going to reinforce all those beliefs I had about making mistakes and failing. Right. I think it's generally a woman can do this, but I think it's the father's job to walk the young people into danger lovingly. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I love you and I'm right here and I'm going to support you while we go into this thing and you can do it. And even if you don't do it, I still love you. We're just going to keep practicing until we get it right. Right. Yeah. And like that to me is how we create that for people. Right. Hey, even though you didn't get a medal this time, it's okay. And I still love you. We're just going to keep trying. Yeah. That is, that's loving guidance into difficulty and challenge. Yeah. Not well here, you deserve a trophy. I used to have to tell this to fighters uh, I, many, many times. And this happened to me. I would train so hard in the, in the fullest capacity of what I knew to train hard, right? With, with what, everything I had available to me and the knowledge at the time, I did everything right. I could and I would still fail. Yeah. And I would feel ripped off and hurt. Like, because I trained this hard, I should have won. Mm. Okay. That is called entitlement. Yeah. What I had to start, and I learned from that, I'm like, man, that's a dangerous, dangerous mindset to have. That just because I worked hard and did X, Y, Z, that I'm entitled to the outcome that I want. Yeah. And what I had to start, I had to change my mindset, and I was really big on this as a coach. Just because you do everything possible, you cross every T, you dot every I, does not mean you're entitled to win. Yes. All you are doing 
is putting yourself in the best position possible to have your best performance possible. Yep. That doesn't have anything to do with the result. We don't, we don't actually control the result. Right. Right. Once we're in there, if the things happen, the result comes out. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure many of us listening have worked endlessly, tirelessly on business projects that have failed. Yeah. Okay. You don't deserve the business to work because you worked hard. If yeah. your business doesn't provide a value to people, yep. then you don't deserve anything. Right. If people, if your you know, marketing pro projects to, to, to push this product out there didn't work, well, now you have feedback that you're not reaching people in a way that's effective. Right. You don't deserve anything. Yeah. Right? What you do deserve, you deserve to be loved just because like like you're here and, and, you're, and you're, you're making an effort. Cool. Like we love you no matter what. Yeah. But you don't deserve any of these other things, any of these results, they have to be, it's the persistence, yeah. right? If I persist, I will get the thing. I'm still not entitled to it. Right. And then as you level up, things get, I mean, you, you start to kind of, the higher you get in experience with these kind of difficulties, the more, not only difficulties, but like, so for instance, my first tournament, I got smoked by a 17 year old kid and, and, and by two people that I should have beaten, right? Like I physically was there mentally didn't show up the next tournament. I got better. I did way better. Right. And, and seeing that difference between the two made me want to show up another one and mm -hmm. put in and do the same work and then figure out what else I missed. And you and I had a really important conversation before my either third or fourth tournament that helped me see some things. And then I killed it, right? Like nine out of 11 matches I won and, and just, I know that every single time that I compete, there's going to be ups and downs, but losing sucks, but it feels so good to like get back and win yeah, the next one. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, don't rob people the opportunity to overcome. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the greatest joys, like in our story. I think like, you know, we look at like the hero's journey. I think that's a natural human archetype that just, it just happens. Yeah. No matter what you go out, you leave the safety, you go on this mission, you fail. You yeah. run into adversity and, and maybe you don't meet the adversity every time and then you figure out how to overcome. That's one of the greatest parts of the human spirit. Everybody loves a fucking comeback story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So why are we like trying to shield people from the ability to overcome and come back and deal with hard things? Yeah. Like that's so important. It's what gives it. It creates character. Yeah. It's it's man. I, I it's uh. <laughs> it's really confusing to me sometimes like the the thought process that part out. <laughs> the thought process that goes into some of this stuff right I, and, and the thing is i don't think there is a thought process i think when this stuff happens people are acting off an unconscious automatic right of just survival and survival there's not a lot of thinking when you're in survival yes right you're just reacting to the stimulus and oh i don't want my baby to cry yeah even though maybe they need to cry. Yeah. Maybe they need to cry and then they need you to help them work through the thing as they cry. And maybe that would actually be better for them in the long run yep. than you just protecting them from crying. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So this kind of leads me to something that you had mentioned earlier is taking risks. Yeah. I think that taking risks is so important because if you take enough risks now, this is to a point, right? Like don't go, running a motorcycle at 200 miles an hour sure. on the wrong side of the freeway. But what do you think about taking risks in terms of business and also like your, your personal life? Well, put it to you like this. How many people do you know get hurt in a relationship 
I'm never going to give anybody a chance ever again. I did that. Okay. Yeah. And then, okay. So, okay. I understand that. It makes sense. I'm going to protect myself from this hurt. I never want to feel this hurt again. I'm also guarding myself from ever experiencing any of the positives again. Right. Okay. Any of the good things that would come out of uh, exposing myself to a relationship. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a, a way to put it into uh, to kind of crystallize it into an image. If I want something that I've never had before, it will require me to leave what I've currently been doing. Yeah. Okay. Whatever is familiar is going to feel safe. Whatever you're, what you're currently doing now probably didn't feel safe at one time. You, yeah. I, I'm oh, assuming yeah. there was there was some change from fucking 18 year old drunk Kevin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. To, to where you're to 31 now. Yeah. Yeah. To 31 year old successful Kevin. Yeah. Right. Who's got, you know, this, this nice, nice little empire that he's building here. Yeah. That, that requires risk. Yeah. Okay. I get why people don't want to take risks, right? They, they value comfort. Yep. Okay. Um, and security over the unknown. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's so weird because I see so many people that their comfort zone is actually way more uncomfortable than if they took the risk to go get the thing they really want. That's familiar. Yeah. But like why somebody, okay. Just somebody works a job that they hate nine to five. They go to it. Right. And they hate it. They're miserable. It's nothing to do with their passion. They have a shitty boss. They have, Okay, just needed to see if <laughs> he's, he's like nodding. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but I mean, somebody that hates their circumstances, they hate their partner, they hate the car they drive, they hate the way their body looks, but they don't make any change. It's like if you risked it and you lost it all, like let's say you wanted to start a company or go get a better job. If that job doesn't work out, you can always resort back to where you were. Like it's so easy to fall. It's not like you're going to lose that mediocre ass life. So what do you, if you're working with somebody that's dealing with that, how do you chat? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's a great question. So when somebody's in that predicament, right, they're in a situation they either hate or they're really unhappy in, but they do nothing about it. Right. right. Like, you know, they won't invest in themselves at all. They're scared to even spend money to move themselves into a better place. Right. Okay. One, they far value comfort over anything else. Mm-hmm. Comfort, security, predictability. Right. familiarity. Yes. Okay. Those things, those psychological needs, when they're overvalued over stepping into the unknown, over exploring a future, like the unknown that could be, you know, your, your a possible future reality. Right. Very hard to move somebody out of that place. And they also don't believe that it can pop. They don't, they don't believe in themselves. Yes. Like, I think that's the other thing. They don't see the possibility. Mm. If, when I, you know, when I work with a client and I tell them my price, um, the ones that believe in themselves and they just know they need help and this is where I'm going to get the help, yeah, they, they throw the card down quick, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they pay and, and on we go into our journey. Yep. The ones that really struggle are the ones that are scared to bet on themselves. And sometimes they do. Sometimes it just takes, it takes a little bit of, you know, like, like, hey, I get it. Like yeah. I used to be scared to invest three hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. really, like that would make my asshole fucking like tighten up <laughs> to like spend three hundred dollars on yeah. on something that's not just going to make me feel good in the moment. Yeah. Right. Which is which is the other thing that we talked about. Right. Is yep. the instant gratification. Right. Right. It's way easier to just avoid now than go through that initial discomfort, make the investment, 
the time investment and move into this, these new set of behaviors to go get the information necessary to, yes. to transform my life. Right? right. But it's going to require risk. Yeah. It's going to require risk. If you're scared to make the risk, here's what I can tell you. Gain more skills until you have more confidence in yourself. Right. Mm. Maybe now is not the time to make the investment. Maybe the investment is gaining the skills necessary to be able to make the jump. Maybe you hate right. your job right now and you have this dream <clears throat> that you want to go do this other thing and it's you're having a hard time. Okay, maybe you don't quit your job right now. Maybe what you need to do is go acquire the skills until you know that you're so good that you're undeniable. Like right. when I was leaving coaching MMA, yeah. uh, it was fucking scary and it yeah. kind of didn't happen. Like I didn't, you know, I was supposed to, I left here to go take a job in Thailand, right? I was supposed, I got the offer, the head coaching job at Tiger Muay Thai in, uh, in, in Phuket, mm -hmm. biggest fight gym in the world, in, in Asia at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I'm getting ready to go. I get sick from the uh, <laughs> from the government prescribed medicines just yeah. so you guys don't get flagged. Yeah, and, thank you, uh, <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> and I don't wanna take the second one. So I'm yeah. like, okay, I can't go to Asia now. I literally just gave up all my stuff, right? But I knew I wanted to do this other thing. Right what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Okay. And I knew I, my skills were already in such a place that I was ready to take the risk. Right. Had I not believed in my skills to do this thing, I would have just gone back to teaching classes to get by. Right. But I knew my skills. I had been honing my skills, my ability to connect with, motivate people and move them, you right. know, move them in beyond what they think possible for them. Right. I knew I could do that already. Well, you're limiting risk on your own. Right. Yeah. So like I, that again, another aha moment, but I, when I moved out to California, right, everybody looked at me like I was fucking crazy and I get it, right? I left a job making six figures, a good sales job, financial products in Boston, right? I moved out here with no plan, but I knew I could sell. I knew how to build relationships and I knew I don't know what I'm going to sell. I don't know what product or service, but if I figure that out, I'll be fine. I yeah. know people will do business with me because I've been doing this for years. I've been doing all of it. So why don't I just go do that for myself and, and make, you know, a lot more money. And it took time and it took risk and it was scary and it didn't work out. But because I took that risk and because I pushed off that instant gratification for so long, you know, now we're, I'm, I'm here and, and trying to continue to take risks and continue to grow and do that again, you know? And, um, you know, it's funny because sometimes that comfort zone creeps in money's good. I'm not in survival. Right. And, and survival was, I think the thing that pushed me to get to where I am, but now it's like, I don't have to work. I don't have to do, I do the podcast cause I really enjoy it and want to build my brand. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what do you think the next step is for somebody that's doing well, but wants to hit that next level? Well, then it's about what fulfills you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you and I had this conversation the other day, right. About, uh, I don't know if, is it public that you're in a no. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll cut I'll, that I'll out. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I appreciate yeah, 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 that. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, Just ask that question again. Yeah. I, no, it's okay. I'll, I, I've got some exciting stuff coming up, some good stuff. Um, I'm not talking about it yet for certain reasons, but uh, yeah, and I, I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, little, uh, little foreshadowing okay. for the future. Well, but. you know, just so just think about, like, what fulfills me. Yep. That's what it is. We all just want to be fulfilled. Yep. Right? I think the people, the reason people get on the path to money in the first place is that's the first thing that looks like, well, if I have this, I have access to things that are fulfilling me when I'm fucking broke. It's like, it's really, it's man, 
money definitely doesn't buy happiness, like for sure. But being broke and living on yes. on you know the skin of your ass is not fun, man. Yep. Living in poverty is not fun, and you know not knowing when you, how your rent is going to get paid that's not fun. It's yes. it's really hard to to put energy into things that are meaningful when you're in survival. So I'm not one of those guys that's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get over the fact that you're. I get it. There's there's deeper psychological things at play when somebody's in a long lasting survival mode and they're just naturally not cut out to go out on an adventure like you did um, for whatever reason, right? Maybe they have three kids already and they're like, well, how am I going to take care of these kids? And yeah. I, I get all that, right? right. I'm, I'm, I'm super sympathetic to that. Doesn't mean it's impossible. doesn't mean they can't build skills to make themselves more valuable to then pursue, right? right? That's usually what needs to happen. You had cultivated the skills to go out and you had confidence in those skills to go do this thing. Right. Then you did this thing. And you're like, well, what else? Yeah. Right. So yeah, and so it's like, you go do the things that are meaningful to you, okay? I, uh, and a lot of times, what people find is the same thing that we just talked about: service and relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I have an effect? How do I have an impact? How do I support people? How can I maybe show some other young kid who's got the same hunger, dream as mine. Maybe I can mentor people, right? Like, like there's, there's all kinds of cool things that people could do. It's about finding what's meaningful to you. Right. I think, and that's like one of the things I really pride myself on is the ability to help anybody get clear on what a meaningful life would look like. So right. when they feel stuck, it's just looking at all the moving parts, yeah. seeing what's not working and seeing where, where the, the gaps are. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then just, you know, not, not me telling them what the answer is for them, but you know, them coming to their own answer through, through the work that we do together. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it seems like the answer is already inside of you. You're the key to unlocking that, which makes it so much better. Cause you're not, it's not yeah. like you're on this search outside of yourself. It's always like yeah. in here, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's look, coaching works one of two ways. If you're getting a business coach, yeah, right. They got to tell you what to do. Cause you don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. If you, the answer is not inside of you. Cause right. But they can't tell you what you want to do. Yeah. Right. Like you got to figure out what you want to do and then right. somebody can teach you how to do that. Yeah. Right. So I can often support people into figuring out what they want to do. And the answer comes from them and then show them how to do that. Yeah. Well, one thing that we worked together on before one of my tournaments, uh, after our first podcast that we did, I was getting ready to compete and you and I talked on the phone and I'll never forget where I was exactly the, the moment we said this, but you had me go through this feeling of when I was a child, mm -hmm. right? Cause that I guess lays an impact on, you know, lays a foundation to your future, but you made me look at things from a different perspective that sometimes I'll go through like a guided meditation where like I'm hanging out with younger me. Right. And I try to understand where my insecurities were, where my fears were and like how that impacts me now when you're doing coaching, how much of that is focused? I mean, do you see a big portion of people's adulthood stemming from childhood? Is it everything? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. So it's it funny. I was uh, talking with a, a business coach the other day and we we're talking about like hard currencies versus soft currencies. Mm -hmm. Like hard currency is we're going to, if you work with me, you're going to lose this much weight. Right. And like, so I'll take you from here to here. And the hard currency is the 10 pounds that you lost. Yeah this type of work is a soft currency. It's not necessarily measurable. Like we can't yes. measure it on a scale, 
But oftentimes what people find is in their pursuit of hard currencies, I want to make this much money, right? That's a yeah. hard currency. They have to do the soft currency work, mm. right? The stuff that's kind of can't be measured other than, oh, this belief that used to be controlling me and, and sabotaging me or stopping me right. is no longer the thing that keeps me from doing what I want to do, right? Look, you and I could come up with the perfect plan right? Anybody can. Let's say you told me, man, I want to drop 10 pounds of body fat. Yep. You could go on the internet right now. You could get a pretty good fucking plan for free. Yeah. Right. Maybe you have to spend a couple hundred bucks, but probably not. You could probably get a pretty good plan that would work. You could get the weightlifting plan and the diet advice for yep. free if you just yep. do a little bit of work. Yeah. Okay. So you've got the, you've got the goal. I want to lose the 10 pounds. You've got the plan. And then you keep stopping at the same point over and over and over again. It's not the goal and it's not the plan. You've got the plan is perfect. If you follow the fucking plan, you will lose the 10 pounds. Right. Right. So then people get really frustrated with people like that. Like, oh, he just doesn't want it bad enough and, and all that things. It's like, nah, there's usually something deeper at play. Right. Right. Now it's your responsibility to discover what that is yeah. and move beyond it. Right? right. So you're not a victim because you have these things that are keeping you. You had some early, early experiences that made you afraid to make mistakes or tighten up in competition. Yeah. But you are responsible to uncover what that is right. and then move beyond it. That is your that is your duty to move beyond your limiting limiting factors. Yeah. The subconscious mind is it, it blows me away because it controls everything. We're on autopilot most of the day, right? Dude, people respond mostly to how they're feeling yeah. in anything. Even if you're a fairly logical person. I, I've seen studies that are conservatively at like 75% up to like 95% that a person's actions are largely dictated off their emotions. Right. Like, like overwhelmingly so. Yeah. So let's talk about the subconscious mind and the law of attraction. Like where do you stand on that? I, I have my own stance, but what do you think? So I think very much as you become the thing, you move in line with it. Okay. And, and, and like, so as I'm taking actions, right, aligned actions, and I, I become the thing, I, I start to show up more regularly, I start to align with a frequency that, that, that I definitely think moves me closer to the thing. Right. What happens is, though, if you have a nagging, let's say you have this fucking anxiety that's coming in every day around relationships. Yeah. Okay. And you don't do anything about that. You, no matter who you attract into your life, like that anxiety around relationships is not going anywhere. You're not going to fucking vibe your way out of it. You've yeah. got some work to do. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes people, yeah, sometimes you have some inner work to do before you can actually align with some energy or frequency. And I, as hippie as that shit sounds, I actually, yeah. I actually do believe in it. And I, I, I think there is some truth to some of that stuff for sure. Like getting a, like my energy dude. when my energy is up, and, I, and like, let's say my energy's up. I'm feeling great about what I'm doing. I get a new client. I start getting a bunch at the same time. Yeah. Like it comes in waves. Yeah. Right. And then maybe my attitude slips a little bit and I get in a little bit of scarcity. It's like, oh, I can't attract any new business to fucking save my life. So yeah. like, uh, I think the same thing is with if you've ever been a single guy, right? Yeah. And you're out there like sometimes when you're on like yeah. dude you're you're just getting number well you don't have to get numbers anymore but back yeah, in the day yeah, yeah. you used to have to get phone numbers yeah, like when you went out. yeah now. now you get instagrams <laughs> but like 
you would you would be pulling girls left and right and then you yeah. go on a little bit of a drought and and it would be you know that's that's the game right yeah i really believe that it has a lot to do with the energy that a person's uh walking in yeah um, some of the things where people get stuck and they haven't been able to call something in there's some work that they need to do to become the person that can call that in yeah so if somebody's trying to manifest something like if somebody comes to you and they go eric i want to manifest a million dollars where do you start well Okay, like what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to provide value to yeah. <laughs> create that million dollars? Like, right. like there's some steps that have to happen first. Yeah. It's not just going to like a frequency is not just gonna shoot it at me. I, I don't think May maybe it's possible. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, what I know how to do is like okay, well, here's... when you learn, let me know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It. We'll fucking we'll yeah. do it together and make yeah. some money. But here you are, like I said in the beginning. Here's what you want. What's the space in the middle? Yep. Right. And then and then who do I have to become in order to have that? Yeah. And, and honestly, that's a that sort of develops over time, too, and it changes over time. And it's a it's a it's a discovery like you keep becoming and shifting and, and seeing where your 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 limitations are holding you back. So I used to be a the way I used to coach and I was still very good. It's like I have a gift for seeing what's missing from a person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would overly focus on what's missing with the person. Right. And I would be very focused on what they should be doing. Right. What's not there. What's not happening. Right. And so, and even in, in corners, this would, I, I think this was a weakness of mine. No, don't do that. Right. Like fight corners. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're focused on, no, don't do that. Instead yeah. of put your hands up. Yeah. Right. Move your feet or as opposed to, hey, you're not moving your feet. No, yeah. Oh, fuck, I'm not moving my feet, right? It throws them into a, into a state of like negative constriction. They're right. focusing on what's not going right as opposed to what they want to create. Yeah. Um, I shifted out of that into the way that I talk to people now. So I, I, I do my best to stay. So even before you were saying, I should have beat those guys, right? Yeah. What I'm thinking in my head is you could have beat those guys. Okay. Right. So should is focusing on a deficit of focusing on what's not there. Yeah. Right. Could focuses on the possibility. Right. Man. And that's just like the way that we talk to ourselves. And see too. how it feels. Right. See. Yeah. So if you were to say that in your own mind, your head. Yeah. I should have beat those guys. Yeah. Right. And then say I could have beat those guys. Yeah. See how that feels for you. Yeah. Um, and, and like what the experiences of saying each of those. Yeah. And just notice the difference. Yeah. Shout out to Mark England from uh, Enlifted Coaches. This is a. Uh, one of his methods and it's, nice. it's fucking amazing. I, I, uh, I can't say enough about it, dude. That's incredible. And I, you know, I was trained when I was becoming a sales trainer for this company that I worked for when I had a job, they taught us to, when we're training our sales reps, like people that are, you know, that we're managing to do build, break, build. So like if a new sales guy went into a business, you know, we sold products business to business and the guy, you know, it just didn't work out, whatever. It's like, instead of being like, hey, you should have done this different, they taught us to train them like, hey, you did really good with this, like mm -hmm. pointing out something good, this could use some work and this is where you, you know, maybe you yeah. could have done this differently, but going forward, like you did great, let's yeah. just work, you know, and I think that that's super important to also just keep morale high, right? Yeah, well, think about, like if you're Matt side and I'm coaching you, I'm coaching you in class and I'm right. all I'm doing is focusing on what you're not doing right. Yeah. That's gonna be discouraging possibly after a little while. Yeah. Even just, just energetically, it doesn't feel good. Um, they they call like, like that type of, is called conflict language. It creates conflict right. even within yourself. Architect language builds things, right? Yes. And so using architect language like could, 
right? Creates possibility. There's something to build off of that as opposed to what's not there. You can't build something based off what's not there. Right. Wow. Damn, dude. Yeah. You, uh, you really see things from a different level. Like it's, I, I, back to jujitsu for a minute. Do you think that as you're going through the belt promotions and as you're getting better and better, do you think that there's spiritual paths that you go up? Like I've noticed that, and maybe it's just experience or life experience, but through jujitsu going from white belt to one stripe to two to blue belt and get, you know, getting progressing. I feel like I change spiritually. Like as I get okay. better. So I think it's possible. I don't think it's inherent. Right. So look, um, I was actually writing about this today. Growth or wisdom is not just something that happens with time, mm. right? And so you could look at your path of jujitsu as passes with time, right? Right. It happens with intention, okay? So your intention to learning and growth will provide you bigger opportunities for learning and growth. Yeah. And your intention to grow would, I would say, without knowing anything else, yeah. that because your intention is to grow, you're starting to see things from a deeper level. You're starting to pull the lessons out of your jujitsu journey and bring them into your regular life. That right. happens by intention. It can happen by accident to, to varying degrees for sure. Like you have like aha moments that you didn't intend on doing, but it's because you're open to seeing these things that you're seeing them. Right. If you just were going to jujitsu to fucking learn how to fuck people up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to learn how to fuck people up, but you may miss out on all the jewels that are hidden in there. Yeah. Right. And so I'd say because you're open to it and that's your creation, it's not, right. it's not a, it's not guaranteed. Look, there's a lot of assholes in jujitsu too, right? There, <laughs> yeah. there, there are a lot of assholes everywhere. There's a lot of assholes everywhere. That's the thing, right? So it's not, it doesn't foolproof you from being an asshole. Yep. Um, if you're intentional about using it as a tool, it can bulletproof you from being an asshole because of the humility that, that is required um, to, reflectively fail, learn, repeat, right? Like somebody that wants to grow in jujitsu. Yeah. If you want to maximize your growth, I think it's important to expose yourself to failure, to see what works. It's important to expose your vulnerabilities and turn them into strengths. Yeah. Now you could come from this, from a mentality of, I just want to win all the time. So they just do what they're good at. Yeah. Right. And, and eventually instant gratification, that instant right? gratification because their ego cannot handle the long term uh, uh, path for growth that yeah. requires failure, that requires you to go home and be like, man, am I even good at jujitsu? Right. Right. As, dude, sometimes I have that. Like, I'll go home like, man, I fucking suck today. Yeah. And yeah. like, I like get down on myself. But I, I, I'm I've done it enough to know it's just part of the process and yeah. I will come back stronger and uh, et cetera, et cetera. There are guys out there that will not expose their weaknesses and yeah. they they're not, they're usually not fun to train with. Yeah. They're usually just do the same positions over and over and over again. They usually have no, no depth to their game whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, huh. Can I take a piss real fast? Yeah. I was going to oh. ask if you want to yeah. take a break. Let's take a quick break. All right. And we're back. We're back. Uh, yeah. I think we both have been hydrated. So yeah. Cool. Um, so, uh, so tell everybody kind of what's next for you. Like what's, what's on the horizon and, and how can people get in contact with you if they want to work with you? Sure. So, I've got a live event this Saturday, so it'll be December 2nd uh, here in San Diego. Uh, just some personal growth stuff that I'm interested in with, uh, with a partner of mine. And we're just looking to do some, we're bringing some, just some free events just to bring some community together. Like it's, I think it's really important that these type of growth conversations are, become more of a norm than a, 
I don't know, than, than just reading books and, and trying to implement things by yourself. I think having community to do things is really important. Uh, there's a lot of people that read books, yeah, and like self improvement books, and then <clears> they, <throat> you can self implement, right? But it, I don't get the feedback that I get from doing things in community, right? And and also like noticing myself in response with other people like how do I get along with other people how do I relate to other people how do other people relate to me I think that that give and take yeah and the conversation that's around you is very much going to affect how much you actually grow shift or change in a, in a certain direction yeah you know if you're if the name of the game is business you want to be around guys that are making money guys that are making more than you yeah and how did they get where they're at right because the path to your first six-figure year is different than your path to your first seven-figure year, yes. and, and it's going to look different. Yep. And so that's really not dissimilar to any type of growth, evolution, whether a person's in a spiritual process or whatever. Yeah, we got to do our own work for sure, and also community is really important. Right. So. Yeah. So um, yeah, developing some some live events and and you know really enjoying the process of doing that. I got some cool things coming up, and and then uh pretty much just doing some one on one coaching right now for the most part. That's yep. like the, the bulk of my work. And so yeah. if anybody wants to get in touch with me for one on one coaching, easiest thing to do, Eric the gentleman on Instagram. Shoot me a DM. I check them at least once a day. I check my, my inbox and uh s see what's in there. So. I, I respond to uh, DMs. I respond to questions. Even if you just have a question and you don't want to give me any money, um, <laughs> you can you can ask me a question and I will I'll usually answer them pretty promptly. I might even just leave a voice note. And uh, you know I I love. I was so confused for so long and and like, you know the way that I'm able to see the world now feels yeah. like such a gift to me. So if I can offer any type of perspective that's supportive to a person. Uh, it's that's really like I, I enjoy that. You yeah, know, it's like a gift for me to, to, to be able to give that back. It's like this. This it can't all be about money. I like being paid nicely for what I do. Yeah. And also. I like sharing with people. I like being in community, you know. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really important to me. Well, you're, you're a man of service like that's it's very, very, very obvious that you're a big foundation of your life is giving to others. And I see it in the way that you show up just from my perspective you know, at jujitsu, like when you're, you're an excellent jujitsu coach, you meet people where they're at, right? You don't talk down to people. Like you just, you, you are a servant of the people. And, um, yeah, I think that's really important too. And, and especially if you're doing something for money too, like the fact that you do so much for free and you're willing to talk with people and really like, uh, help people no matter what, you know, like that's, that's really important. And, and I respect you a lot for that. So thank you, man. Yeah. Um, well, to me, leadership is service, right? If you're in a leadership role, you're a servant, right? <laughs> it's, I, I used to think that leader was where everybody just did things for me. Yeah. You you're know? being served, but yeah, it's being not, served, right? but it's not Le leadership is a service position. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, what's that book? Uh, leaders eat last. Yes. I, yeah. Great book. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, I think we're going to have to do a third one. Eventually. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And guys, seriously, if you're if you're looking to take the leap into that next stage in your life and you're ready to do so, hit up Eric. Um, do you do any kind of group coaching? I That's coming very soon. I've done groups in the past. There yeah. will be some group coaching coming up very soon. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that I'm sure a lot of people would be yeah. interested in and, and especially the one-on-one -on -one stuff which yeah. we'll talk about. So. Absolutely. Cool. Eric, thank you so much for coming Cheers, on. Brother. Appreciate it.